Yo, what's up, guys? I gotta get in focus here. Welcome back to another quality pod. Give me in focus. Give me in focus. I like it. I, I like you, it. I there we you. go. There we go. Hey, let's acknowledge some of the quality people here today. Thank you guys for rocking out with us. On Cindy in the building says, Good evening, everyone from the study room. I like how she has a you know, different place that she's tuning in from every single day. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Luxurious elements in the house saying, Hello, beautiful ladies and handsome Josh. Hello, beautiful woman. Yes, hello to you. Then T Mac is also in the building as well. Greetings, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for tuning in. We got another quality show lined up for you. Hey, before we get going, make sure you do. Because we are on a mission to spread some practical religion. We also got Mama Prophet in the house. Everybody say, hey, what's up to Mama Prophet? What's up, Mama Prophet? Salutations, salutations to everyone. Thank you for rocking with us. Today we got some great topics, some crazy, a crazy podcast came out earlier that we're going to give our thoughts on. Probably the most toxic behavior that you have ever seen. It's crazy. Also, it's Carl Lentz, a former celebrity pastor of Hillsong Church. We're going to be breaking down, you know, some of our trusted commentators thoughts on a recent documentary that came out exposing Hillsong and it has Carl Lentz in that video and so we're going to be breaking down is Carl Lentz was is was he actually a hero or is he still like a villain because he you know cheated on his wife and all that or is he actually a victim or is it a combination we don't know but we are going to find out right now hey remember God is with you is with you Hey, let's let's get rocking. Before we get into anything today, though, um, we want to thank you guys for you know just tuning into the Quality Podcast or just the Quality Life YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. We got some great things in the works behind the scenes. So excited! Some really, really, so really, really, really cool stuff going on <laughs> um, that will be revealed in the next coming months. But we need you to do your part. So make sure that you share this with your family and friends because eventually we want to be this. We want to have a full time ministry on YouTube doing this. We actually got a shout out from Paul and Morgan today. Shout yeah, out to that them was cool. on the video. We tagged them um, on the video that we did last week. They got, I don't know how many, they have over 100K, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think so. And uh, they commented on little us's videos. Like, y'all deserve more subscribers. So, hey, subscribe. Not playing with y'all. We have a quality time, as you can see. Um, question that we want to pose before we get into our first topic is what do you think about celebrity pastors? We're going to. Talk about that in a little bit, and um, well, we're we're about to talk about that for a little bit. But we want to we want y'all to chime in before we even get into our first segment. So, what do you think about celebrity pastors? Do you think it's a good thing? Do you think having these big mega churches is a good thing for the gospel? Do you think it's a bad thing? Do you think it's a combination of both? We just want to know your thoughts. I'm mm-hmm. not, we're gonna we're not gonna dive into it too deeply. Would we'll you give you time down below. Yeah. We'll, we'll um, yeah, get to typing, get to typing, people, <laughs> and uh, we'll get into that topic in just a second. Um, while y'all are typing, we're going to put up our schedule. So today is Wednesday. We're live right now, 930. Amen. Tomorrow at Thursday. Tomorrow at Thursday. Tomorrow at 7 p.m. <laughs> on Thursday, we will be well, live at 7 p.m. with another quality pod. Friday, double trouble time again. You already know what it is. We got Faith and Beyond solo. Solo dolo. Kendra said she's going by herself. Independent woman. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Independent. Yeah. And then right after that, stay tuned for another quality conversation. No show on Monday because I'll be coaching baseball and it's Memorial Day. But that is what we got uh, lined up for you in the coming days so again shout out to everybody who's been rocking with us yes, y'all hello. have been great shout hello, out to all the quality people subscribers yes yes all right so i don't see any we'll, we'll just get to talking about it and if people want to chime in to the question that we ask then we will we will um put it up somebody is facetiming me oh that is a it's a group message we're just gonna yeah there we go we're gonna leave that I was like, who's, everybody knows I'm live right now. All right, so, oh, Aunt Sunday does have a, did chime in here. Mm-hmm. 
She says, I typically limit the celebrity pre or I typically limit the celebrity preachers I listen to. Yeah, that makes sense. I do too. I do too. You should you should limit the amount of people that you listen to or be at least very mindful of the people that you listen to um, and what they are teaching you. And yeah, that's that's what I'll say about that. And so celebrity, I don't think is a bad thing. I think the the bad thing is when they start to put their take their eyes off Christ. And because if you're a celebrity, right, or if you're a pastor, it's like people are looking up to you. So you're shepherding people somewhere. So you got to think about a shepherd in the field. You, you know, shepherd the flock, you guide them along, you know, their way. And so if you aren't leading those people back to Christ, well, then you're being a bad shepherd. But we're supposed to be good shepherds because we follow the good shepherd. And so if you are not leading people to the good shepherd, then you are not a good celebrity pastor, especially. And so that's what I will say to that. But what do you think about celebrity pastors? Um, I think overall, based on what I've seen, a lot of them kind of like water down the gospel or they water down very important things that can be foundational to the Christian walk. Um, yeah, that's kind of what I got from Christian pastors. Yeah, it's like sometimes, I mean, or celebrity, <laughs> celebrity pastors, pastors. Yeah, I, I got what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it seems like they they omit some things, um, and they don't preach as hard on some things because they're trying to appeal to a larger audience, and they don't want to, I guess, lose their following. Or yeah, or they'll like add things, right? Extra stuff into the gospel that doesn't necessarily need to be, or that doesn't align with the foundational principles. Yeah, so I would agree with that. Um, I think. Again, it just goes back to, are they being so prideful that they're ashamed to share the whole gospel? Because if you are sharing the gospel, you're sharing the gospel. Uh, and the, the point is to have people transformed. It's like, yeah, come as you are, but leave us leave more like Christ. Yeah. That's the goal. And so if people are coming as they are because they feel accepted, but there's no transformation in the form of they're becoming more like Christ, well, then you're not preaching the true gospel or you're not preaching the gospel in an effective manner because the goal is for everybody to continually become more like Christ, even the pastor. And we will get into that uh, when we start talking about Carl Lentz here in just a second. But we do have another comment from Aunt Cindy from the DMV. She says, I agree, Kenya. They often tiptoe around sin. Tiptoeing in their Jordans. Tiptoeing in their Jordans. Yeah, that's yeah. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's the other thing. A lot of people try to, or a lot of them try to mix in with the culture, which I don't think there's anything wrong with, you know, being up and being hip to the times. But at the end of the day, you still need to stand out with your walk with Christ. And so that doesn't mean you have to necessarily look and sound different, but... The more you become like Christ, if they're if the culture is distancing themselves as far as like the character of the average person away towards Christ, then we are going to be different. Yeah, and that makes me think of I don't know his name, but the guy that Ruslan interviews a lot, he wears like the hat. Oh, John Keith. I guess, yeah. The ra- um, he's a rapper. Mm-mm. Yeah, yeah. I know yeah, he yeah. was. He said something about like pastors wearing like. Jordans and the hip clothes and things like that. And his his point of view was, hey, it's okay to do it, but don't wear it if that's not you. Like, don't wear it just to, like, pull in millennial or Gen Z and young kids. Right, If right. that's not really your style, you just look goofy at that point. Yeah, because you're not being authentic to who you are. Yeah. And that is not a biblical thing uh, or biblical concept. The biblical concept is to take who you are, who the gifts that God has given you, and then, you know, be molded like foundationally through your character by your heart to be more like Christ. That doesn't mean that you become a completely different person, but you are like a new creature as far as like your mode of being. But it's not like I was 
good at baseball or I was good at, I had this talent and then I gave my life to Christ so I can't have this talent anymore. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, you can still, you know, like things, material things and have a uh, affinities that you had previously, but you put them in their proper place as far as like how you value the things. So it's like, you might like collecting shoes. Like our pastor, he likes collecting shoes, but it's not, uh, his whole identity isn't in, oh, I got to have these shoes, the next shoes. It's just something that he enjoys to do. And if he does it and he stewards, you know, how he collects shoes well, which means like he doesn't go broke to get the, the next the latest pair of shoes or he's not like just having shoes just to have shoes, but he's, you know, being a good steward, but also being, you know, I guess fruitful. He's even giving away shoes. He's giving my brother a pair of shoes. So he's, he's actually being fruitful in his affinity for liking and collecting shoes at the same time. Then like that's being, you know, a good steward of, you know, the, natural inclinations that you have or proclivities that you have so yes you have anything else on the topic no let's get into it all right we're going to get into this so carl lentz is he a hero is he a victim or is he a villain so a lot of you know that a new documentary has come out exposing hillsong and carl lentz is in it we aren't going to watch the documentary, but uh, we have some trusted commentators, i.e. Ruslan and What Do You Mean, John Lecrae, um, who we trust their opinion, and we're going to give a review and put Carl Lentz to the ultimate test of hero, victim, or villain. Let's get into it. What's up, quality people? Welcome back to the Quality Pod. Make sure that you because we're on a mission to spread practical religion. So, Carl Lentz, we're just going to get right into the first clip that we want to show you. And we're going to hit a pressure point of like what the celebrity culture or celebrity pastor culture is it like a good thing? Is it a bad thing? And ultimately, is Carl Lentz. A victim, is he a hero, or is he a villain that just needs to go away? Let's get into it. I was definitely shocked by Carl Lentz in this episode. Some of the stuff in this episode was a little gossipy, like getting into details about his affairs and also how him and his wife felt completely betrayed by Hillsong after Hillsong's board leaked the private conversation to the Daily Mail. But Hold up. So... His Hillsong, the the church, <laughs> yeah, is getting into you know gossip. So that's no, not that a good start. Think, that makes me think of the scripture. Can't remember what it is, but it basically says like talks about being unified as a body, as a church body. Right. And they're like that's literally just did. literally just cut one of their members off. Yeah. Wow. That's an L. Here we go. It also showed a Carl Lentz who seemed to be trying to warn people about what happens when you ignore your underlying issues. This episode was really personal and really vulnerable for Carl Lentz and his wife. He talked about how he was sexually abused as a kid by a family friend and how he was told to hide what happened and to keep it a secret. He Wow. Now that's some heavy stuff. You get abused young and then, you know, you have to deal with that as a kid. And if you don't get the proper help then that just compounds and compounds. And then, especially if you gain celebrity, which he will talk about here in a second, that's that's going to be tough to deal with, especially when you have eyes on you. And in the position that he was in as pastor, you have eyes on you to be somebody of a particular character. Like they're looking to you as like, hey, you're supposed to conduct yourself in a proper way. And then when that breaks down, it's like, whoa, you're not this. And then you add on the fact that, you know, you have a lot of people going at Hillsong for maybe some loose doctrine here and there. Then 
that can really get to somebody. Went on to talk about how much shame that he had around it and how after keeping that secret, he started to grow a habit of keeping other secrets from his family and his friends. Now, even though he could have been talking about this as a way to talk about the underlying themes that led him to his habit of keeping secrets, he still continuously made it clear that he was entirely responsible for his actions and that it was his fault for not dealing with these issues earlier. He talked about other issues that he didn't get help for, like for example, lust and how getting married in his early years, he thought that that would help to fix his lust issues. And Hold up. Wow. So he thought that by, you know, getting married early, but still having this thing, you know, car carrying the, the weight of in the sin of lust, the repetitive sin, the iniquity of lust, that it was just going to be magically cured by just getting married. But instead, it had the opposite effect. He carried it into marriage, and he was still struggling with it. And now it's the stakes are even higher because now you're not just involving yourself as a single man. It's like you're, you know, bringing this into a, a union, and then now you're pastoring a church. And now you're taking it into an even greater union that's affecting even more people. But I like how he is taking accountability. I think that is a, a big win. Yeah. Because he's he's acknowledging, he's aware that these things have happened and it seems like and he's and he's able to talk about it. So that's that's a really good sign there. I agree. And wanting other women. He also warned about the dangers of having issues with sin and how getting power and influence can really exacerbate those issues if you don't attack them head on. But another yeah, part that really stuck out to me was when he talked about how things changed for him after getting caught in his affair. He mentioned how because he kept so many lies and he wasn't honest, some people concluded that that must mean that what he preached about Christ couldn't be true either. And this is one of the many unfortunate parts about this entire situation. Now, I've never watched any of his sermons and I've only really seen him on Logan Paul's podcast, but after watching his interview with Logan Paul, I honestly think that he had a gift. I really do. Now, I'm not saying that he... Now, a lot of people are going to hear that and be like, what do you mean? Especially people who don't agree with him theologically, but God gives gifts to everybody. Yeah. And whether we, you know, bring, use them for, you know, his glory and to be restored back to him and to build his kingdom, that is on us. But that is his will for all of us. That is his desire for all of us. But there's a lot of modern preachers or celebrity preachers, uh, the new preachers that everybody you know seems to like, or like the new that can appeal to the younger generation because they're great communicators. They kind of understand where we're coming from. They get the and lingo. How to say stuff. Yeah, they ha know how to say stuff, and that's powerful because that's what Jesus was doing when he was speaking. In parables, in a lot of cases, he had to, you know, say things in a manner that those who were around could understand it. Now, people would hear things and be like, ah, I just kind of reject that. You know, I don't get what you're saying, but it wasn't, I don't understand what you're saying. It's like, I hear what you're saying, but I don't want it. Yeah. You know, the hardening of the heart. Always use that gift in the right way, obviously. But from the little bit that I saw, he was really good at understanding how millennials think. And he was really good at getting past their instinctual defenses that they've adopted from culture when it comes to Christianity. As a person who didn't grow up in the church myself, I think that his approach would have worked as a way to get me to open up to Christianity, where most other approaches probably wouldn't have. Oh, amen to that. So yeah, he's saying like, hey, I'm giving Carl Lentz some charity because he has an excellent gift of being able to communicate effectively. Now, he may have had, you know, some loose doctrine here or there, whatever. Some hiccups. Yeah. And he definitely stumbled as far as like the scandal with his wife and maybe some things that he didn't quite take care of before he was in a leadership position. But overall, it's like, Hopefully this man, he has an amazing gift. He can be, you know, restored back to God. And it seems like he is on that path. So again, hero, victim, or villain. It seems like in one sense, he's kind of a victim, of course, of the trauma that he had to deal with as a kid, but not being able to, or not dealing with it in the appropriate manner. And then being thrusted into this huge leadership role where a lot of eyes are on you, you can see how people would paint him as a villain, especially people who don't necessarily agree with him or aren't rooting for him to win. All right, so we have another quick uh, clip 
This one is by Ruslan KD, who kind of highlights some things about the church and is going to bring home this whole point. So let's get into that. With regards to celebrity pastors, what it seems like has happened is some of them in a desire to be relevant, in a desire to be culturally engaged or exegete the scripture, they tend to water down or omit essential aspects of Christianity. I'll be specific. In the FX Hulu series of The Secrets of Hillsong, they talk about how Hillsong New York specifically never spoke out against LGTV and the LGTV lifestyle, but they what? didn't affirm it either. They wouldn't. Yeah, they're, and that's one of the big problems with a lot of these yeah. churches that uh, tried to appeal to the younger demographic or yeah. uh, the, the hip demographic or whatever. They're, they're so wrapped up trying to be cool that they don't stand for, you know, hardcore things. It's like, I mean, there's some churches that, you know, will stand and say, hey, we we are, we affirm the LGTV, as uh, Ruslan says it, we, we affirm them, and at least that's a stance. But when you aren't affirming anything, then it's kind of like... Where do you stand? Yeah, there's ambi- ambiguity in that. And so, um, of course, here... We don't affirm the lifestyle, but we hope people are always redeemed to the image and the will of God. So Speak out against it, but they would use language that was a bit ambiguous, like everyone is welcome, we love you all, this is home, so on and so forth. So in an attempt to appeal to culture, you're kind of omitting certain details and you're even maybe using similar tactics that people who are in culture can relate to as a way to build a bridge. Tension that we're seeing today is is the same thing, right? And when you see Secrets of Hillsong, which again, I'm just using that as a, as a, as a benchmark. It could be Stephen Furtick. It could be Judah Smith. It could be Chad Beach. It could be Transformation. It could be uh, Rick Warren. It could be whoever. You see this propensity to want to engage non-believers and be relevant and leverage things like technology or in the case of the really trendy celebrity pastor thing from a couple years ago, even celebrity and social media clout, right? Uh, the culture, the music, the style, the dress, the customs, the slang, the lingo, so on and so forth. And not knowing that even though the process of Christianity requires some of the beliefs, the trappings of the cults, it's supplanted. So even though you're engaging with some of these things that you're thinking you're using as tools, right? As bait, you can get caught up in the trappings of the the, the cults and the paganism, right? Now that's big because a lot of people will try to use something and they use it so much then that thing starts to use them instead of them using the tool. And so we get, it's like, it's, it's almost like don't be consumed by what you, or don't become the thing that you're, you're, you're ultimately just trying to consume. And so that's, that's what happens a lot of times. It's like, oh, we got to be the coolest. We got to have this. We got to have that. And it's like, wait, y'all are getting away from the central message like we're we're supposed to be trans purpose. we're supposed to be transforming people. There's nothing wrong with having a video board or having a really cool, you know, production for at, at, for a church service. But at the end of the day, what are we doing fundamentally? We have to transform people as we are transforming ourselves. And I think that's where, you know, people like Carl Lentz and some of these other preachers, they get away from as they start to grow in celebrity is they are so caught up in performing that they forget that they need to continually transform and continually to seek Christ in as far as like shaping their character of informing their hearts. So in an attempt to use celebrity and clout like Lentz was, right? You get caught up in the trappings of it, okay? But the flip side is, the flip side to all of this is, is that in Gregory's, my entire lineage as an Armenian comes from Gregory. Like it come, Armenians were getting saved in mass and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And so it's this tension of evangelism that we live in that I think is actually a tension we don't need to run from, but we need to run to. Now that's, that's a good tension um, or a good point that he brought up. There's like this tension of, you know, on one hand, we have, you know, we're supposed to be transforming people, you know, individually. But on the other hand, there's people that can be transformed at mass. And it's like, who do we appeal to the most? And I think the answer is there's a balance of a time and a time and a season for everything um, and a time and a place for everything to go down. And so fundamentally, we need to be making sure that we evangelize the gospel by having conversations like this. And then when we take that 
into larger services, it needs to be the same thing, but on a broader scale. And if we want to add, you know, a greater production, that's cool, but that's all toppings, right? That's not the actual, you know, the cake. It's not the meat and the potato, or it's not the meat and the potatoes, right? It's like the dessert um, that, you know, sweetens the deal. And we need to figure out how to sort through these things because you're going to have some people that go, well, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus puts on flesh, comes in, lives the life we couldn't live, dies the death we should have died on the cross in a place for our sins. That is God taking on human form and stepping into histories. A transcendent Amen. being is stepping into human form and engaging with his creation. That is amazing, right? He's coming as a missionary, right? And then you have some other people that say, well, they'll quote, well, friendship with the world is anonymity with God. Don't be a friend of the world. But I, I think that's there for a reason. I think we see the in the world, but not of the world all throughout scripture. And I think unfortunately we've seen people do it the wrong way. Exactly. It's like throughout scripture, you see we're in the world, but we're not of the world. Yeah. And it's like, we're not of the world because we're continually, you know, being transformed by Christ, being transformed by that. That's not within the world. That's beyond, you know, us and our greater world. And so, but that doesn't mean we can't utilize the things that are here in the world for, you know, evangelizing and discipleship and bringing people closer to Christ. Yeah. But, like, yeah, go ahead. Like what we do now, like looking at pop culture and things like that. Like even though we're watching it and we're, I guess, analyzing it in a sense, mm -hmm. we're using it to point back to Jesus. Right, right. And I... Ruslan's kind of coined this term like we're contextualizing the gospel. So we're using pop culture to contextualize the gospel and to, you know, take, we say practical religion. So we want to take what culture is giving us, extract, you know, lessons that we can learn so that we can move forward in an appropriate manner that is more Christ-like. And so we don't have to go through something to learn from it. We can see that, okay, this is good because this person took this path, so I can follow a similar path or I can do something similar to get similar results or or be in a similar position as them and vice versa. This person did this. I haven't done that before, but that their happened. results weren't good. Yeah. And so I'm just going to steer clear of that. It's wise because we all have a limited time as far as our experience in this lifetime. And so we don't have time to just be trying stuff to try stuff. It's like we have to walk forward in faith, but it's not a blind faith as far as like I just walk into the world aimlessly. It's like, no, I have an aim. I have a goal, and it's to be more like Christ. And so no matter, I don't know what the future holds, but I do know that I want to walk into the future a more virtuous human being, a more Christ-like human being. So let's get to our points before we get out of here. So this is, geez, the points didn't reset. Okay. All right. So my point is there is more at stake when one becomes a leader. So it is crucial to keep aiming for Jesus. And my Bible verse goes hand in hand with that. Luke twelve forty eight. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. From everyone to whom much has been given, much will be required. And from the one whom much has been entrusted, even more will be demanded. Amen. So, like, Amen. with Carl Lentz, like, he had all of all of these people that he's supposed to be shepherding. Mm -hmm. He was given so much, but ultimately was not able to handle it. And lost a lot, lost all of it, right? Essentially, yeah, he didn't handle it in the appropriate manner, and so he was trying to essentially hold it up, hold up the, hold it on his back, but he couldn't, you know, carry it himself. And it's like he wasn't giving it to Christ, and so everything crumbled. But it seems like now he is in a, a better headspace and a better spiritual walk to where he can, you know, walk back to Christ and, you know really be restored and continually continue to be made new. So here's my point. So my point is sometimes Christian leaders or Christian leadership gets so wrapped up in performing that they neglect to keep their eyes on Jesus 
And I think this is big. Sometimes they get caught up in, oh, I got to perform. I got to make sure that we're doing stuff to reach the youth. I got to make sure I say this in a certain manner. And it's like, that's good. That's good as the toppings. That's good as the fluff. But the meat and potatoes is that, you know, Jesus died for our sins. And because he lived, we can live. And so when you preach to people, you have to say, you have to give them hope of that, right? But also because you don't, you give them hope, but you also, you know, get them to understand that, hey, you you need hope because you are a sinner. But then give them a process of how to live, right? It's like Jesus died so that we could live. Because he lived, we can live. And some of our verses, Psalms, I lift up my eyes to the hills from where or from where will my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heavens and earth. And I I like this verse because it's just a reminder to keep your eyes fixed on the Lord. That has to be your central aim, whether you are in a prominent leadership position like Carl Lentz was, or whether you're you know, just like having a little platform like we do, or you have no platform and you're just a regular Christian walking the streets, you know, um, you have to keep that in mind. So final thing, Carl Lentz, hero, victim, or villain? Go. Mm. I, I will say hero because he's acknowledging where his downfalls are mm-hmm. and... I, I I extend grace because mm. of you're being charitable. Yeah, I am. Okay. <laughs> Shout out to you. Shout yeah. out to you. So I'll say, yeah. So I'm going to say that obviously victim of how of what he had to deal with. Um, I won't say villain. I would say I, I just don't think he's a villain because he's realized the error of his ways. But as far as hero, I think he needs to. You know, look to Jesus as the hero and to become the hero that he is called to be because he has an amazing gift and he has an amazing talent to be able to communicate and to lead. And so I think he can get back to that. So I'm not sure. I don't think he's at hero. I think he's somewhere working towards hero. But okay. that's just what I think. We want to know what you think. So make sure you start a quality conversation down in the comments section if you're watching the replay. Make sure that you check this video out next because YouTube recommends it for you personally. So we will see you over there. And until then. And if you're listening on the podcast app, make sure you give us five-star rating. Yes. But until next time, remember, don't be sort of the alpha. And the omega. Like for the algorithm. Oh, do the podcast plug. This track meet in Birmingham. Get ready for the Nationals and hope to put on a put in a good performance. Um, just making sure she pushes out of both legs, out of the blocks, and not just relying on one leg.
Quality Hangout. We are back. Let's have some fun, people. Let's acknowledge some of the quality comments that are here. Aunt Cindy says, it sounds like Carl wasn't mentored before he entered the ministry and became a leader himself. <laughs> yeah, man. yeah, I agree. Hey, quality people, make sure that you... It's time to hang out with you for a little bit before we get into our last segment. Um, but regarding this comment, yeah, it, it just seems like um, it, it. I'm not sure. I think he was mentored because I think Hillsong has like the leadership thing that you have to do. You don't just become like a leader of a mega church just overnight. Well, but I probably, don't. Sorry, probably not mentored properly, possibly. Well, I, I think he just wasn't healed from the 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 childhood trauma, you know, because it sounds like, yeah, he, he dealt with what he dealt with in his childhood and he never, and that snowballed into, you know, looking at stuff and lusting and then he got married and he never fixed those issues. And so then when he felt called to preach and he got the opportunity to preach and he was proven to be fruitful with his ministry, he still had all these problems that were unresolved. And so, I mean, you could say it was a lack of effective mentorship, but I don't think that he wasn't well mentored, especially being in a position like at Hillsong. So that's what I would say. Um, Let's see. We have another comment from T-Mac. She says, what tea is on tap tonight? We got tea on tap. Oh, that'd be cool. <laughs> <laughs> we just we just go up to it and just shh. <laughs> yeah, that that would be that would be cool. We uh, are drinking green tea kombucha tonight. So we're both drinking that. Yes. Oh, cool. I didn't know what you were drinking, but yeah, this is this is good. Um, it's like a mix between soothing and like gets me going, you know. Yeah, I was going to say that. It's like soothing and energizing. Right, yeah. That's what I would say as well. All right, Aunt Cindy says, I wouldn't say hero, but he got caught and then owned it. Not hero or zero. Maybe a 0.2. No, I like that. I like that. Amen to that. Yeah, so that that was kind of my whole thing is like, yeah, he was a victim in his earlier you know, childhood, of course, and that was kind of carried with him throughout his life. But he's not a villain because he was obviously, I think, doing the best that he could with unhealed trauma. And I'm giving him a bit of the doubt because I don't know, you know his motives and all that. Um, with unhealed trauma to, you know, spread the gospel in an effective manner. Did he do it perfectly? No. But is anybody doing it perfectly? Probably not. And but he's obviously not a hero because of his shortcomings. But yeah. I think he can still work back to being the hero that he is called to be, that we are all called to be. I think we're all working to be the hero that we're all called to be. Yeah, I was I mean, I was on the same page as you and Aunt Cindy, but I thought I had to pick one, so and that was the closest one to what I was thinking, you know. Hey, this is your show. You can say whatever you want. Whatever I want. I mean, yeah, but I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. All right. Uh, t -t 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 we got one more comment here. T-Max says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Psalms 46.1. I like that. I like that. And, yeah, that's a good reminder because when times get tough, when you go through trauma, such as Carl Lentz did, and when you face incredible adversity, such as he's facing now, trying to work back, and maybe the good graces of the broader population as far as repairing his reputation, and also restoring his family, and restoring himself as a person, you got to rely on God to be your refuge, to be your strength. Because he is a present help. So, yeah. Amen. Amen. All right. So, we are about to get into our second topic. This one is crazy. It's wild. This it's one is wild. crazy. <laughs> wow. 
We might have found the most toxic podcast of 2023 so far. You are not going to want to miss this. Denia Jackson comes out and just just tells it all about her, you know, relationship with Derek Jackson into marriage. We're going to react to a small portion of this, and you just got to see this to believe it. Jackson exposed quality people. This is the quality life on a quality pod. Make sure that you, because we're on a mission to spread practical religion. Now, like I said, this is quite possibly the most toxic content that I've seen in, a long in 2023. Time. For me, in a long time. Yeah, this is crazy. So we're going to break this down. Denia Jackson was on my, uh, is it Future my Wifey? Future Wifey. My Future Wifey podcast. And she's just spilling everything. Wait, we right? have to give them some background on like, who's Derek Jackson? Who's Denia Jackson, you know? I mean, go ahead. Like, you can give the background. <laughs> okay, so Derek Jackson, he's was very popular, or probably still is, I don't know. But he's a very popular relationship guy who would give women relationship advice. And then over time, eventually it came out that he was cheating on his wife that no one knew about. And then they had a YouTube video together talking about is him, him apologizing and things like that. And then later on down the road, came out he was cheating again and they ended up getting divorced. So this is going to be her story, her side of the story on their relationship. And she leaves nothing out. So let's get into that right now. What attracted you to Derek? Um, he's very charming. He's very charming. When you see him, he has a charisma and a presence about him that is just like, it sucks you in um, automatically. And so, and then he's very funny. Um, and so that humor drew me in as well. Of course, he has the looks to go with it. So <laughs> there's that. <laughs> so the perfect little balance. Yeah, it's a perfect balance of it all. All right. So that's why she was, yeah, I put that. So that's why she was immediately attracted. Yeah. So let's keep that in mind. Now we're getting into, because I had to clip this up because obviously we weren't going to react to the whole you know, podcast. We're only reacting to part of it, and we're going to get into the engagement on the next episode. So you're going to want to stick around to this to see how that leads into the next one. So less of the flush here. After the tutoring, we we were having conversations n nearly daily. Like the first three days, it felt like I know him for the, my whole life. Yeah. And literally, we were on the phone, sleeping on the phone. Like those first three, day, three days, having all kinds of conversations. And it was like, oh my gosh, I've known you all my life. This is a fairy tale. <laughs> I love you. You know, like when are we getting married and having kids? Like it was all well, of that. This is where you're saying this. All of the y'all were talking about yeah, marriage and stuff. Not necessarily marriage, but it was definitely like I, I I like you. Like I've known you my whole life. Like, this is so easy. Yeah. Like where have you been? Yeah. You know, this is right here in this 19 moment. Nineteen years old. Yes. <laughs> Can you fall in love in three days? I depends on what the conversations are like. I think so. So you think you can? I think you can. Okay. That's interesting. But it depends on what the conversations are like. Well, can you fall in love at 19 in three days? Depends on what the conversations are like. Well, what do the conversations have to be like? Well, if they're like intentional, like deep conversations, I think so. But if it's just like surface level, like, oh, yeah, I like the color green too. Like... No, right, I I like, and I so. like how your body looks, and yeah, I like not, how you make me feel. No, yeah, if there's not intention, like, hey, like, oh, like I can see a future, and then you're talking about, okay, this is what the future can actually look like, and let's walk work towards this future, or I'm only going to be in this if we're actually going to pursue this future that we have been talking about. Yeah. So it's one thing to say, oh, he's fine, and then say, oh, like, yeah, I see us with kids and everything. It's like. You know, but why? They like, like we were saying that to girls when we were in middle school. <laughs> it's like that's just like the the first thing you say when you're interested in people. Oh, like yeah, our kids would be cool. Like it's oh just my yeah, it's like that's yeah, oh yeah, they'd be like sleazy. oh yeah, your last name goes good with my last name or whatever. Yeah, it's like such surface level stuff. Yeah. So yeah, let's go. Back. <laughs> Baby, been all my life, exactly. all the 19 years of my existence. Exactly, all 19 years of my life. I miss you. <laughs> I love you. This is what you know. And so it was great. It was it was ex it's pure ecstasy. And and so from there, we spent pretty much every day together. And um, about one month after just meeting, he asked me to be his girlfriend on Valentine's Day. So that was like our unofficial 
uh, anniversary, anniversary yeah. for years. Um, yeah, he had this big old heart and he had his shirt off and he was like, will you be my girlfriend? <laughs> he had his but, shirt off? Yes. He was fine too. I was like, <laughs> yes, Dania, look at you. All right, so that was the lust of the flesh. So we're about to get into the lust of the eyes. So what do you think about the that previous section that we just watched? Um, I'm a, I'm a very strong... have a very strong opinion about like your relationship starts your relationship ends how it starts mm. so say that again <laughs> your relationship ends how it starts okay explain so if it starts how theirs was started with lust mm-hmm. and pride mixed into it and things like that that's how it ended mm. ultimately yeah pride's the downfall of men here we go lust of the eyes so he said that he liked that I was like smart and of course he loved my eyes. And I feel like now, like looking back at, on it, I feel like there was a lot of um, compliments on like the physical at- attributes as opposed to more of the uh, mental and emotional attributes that I had. But then again, you know, we were in love after three days. So. What? And so, I don't think that's love. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound like love. It just sounds like, hey, I need something in my life to... Yeah. Uh, to give me attention and to attach onto. In fairness to her, leading up to this, she had explained how she went through, you know, childhood trauma where she was taken advantage of and, you know, that led into all of this. And so that is what she was dealing with before she met uh, Derek Jackson. And actually, I think that actually happened. She said that that experience happened or one of her two experiences, I think she had, mentioned two experiences happened just three weeks before she met Derek, but then they didn't start dating until, you know, well after they met, but still when you're carrying that around, then you want to feel basically you want to attach to people rather than, you know, if you're healed from that, then you can truly love them. But she wasn't able to do that because of, you know, that holding her back, not giving her an excuse for, you know, some of the decisions she's made by just trying to get you in a frame of reference for why she did make those decisions. Yeah, so, broken. seriously. So, was, so you say you went chubby no more in college, huh? I, was, I still oh. had a little bit of chub. I was in the market. Oh, that's, oh, that's a crazy question. <laughs> then for a little bit, so I was, um, I had slimmed down a little bit um, there, but I still had a little bit of weight on me, but it was proportion. <laughs> I feel like, you know. Because enough for him to like her. <laughs> enough. Listen, he did not complain. And I wasn't complaining. They call either, that so. slim dick. <laughs> There's that. <laughs> There's that. Three days we in love. We're we gonna love. get married and have a bunch of kids. Absolutely. Listen, I made him them peanut butter jelly sandwiches. He was listen. You ain't going nowhere. I, white or wheat? I made white, white or wheat. Or wheat. <laughs> you <laughs> like the crust yeah, on the yeah, You trimmed a little crust around the side. Sure did. Real story. Cut into a little heart and give it to him. Exactly. It's our anniversary sandwich. I, exactly. I actually really did that. Believe it or not. I know. We all we all trying to do the best we can with whatever gesture we had at that moment. Yes. So I love it. I love that. They call it puppy love. Yes. I love, I love that moment. And so y'all were in college together. Uh, you were 19. Are y'all around the same age? Yes. He was 19 as well. He's five months older than me. Five months older than you. Y'all both 19. Y'all both in college. Um, And when did it change from dating to engagement? How long did that take? Nine years. Nine years. Yes. We got married nine years later. Nine years later. So. (laughs) Whoa. So they were dating for nine years before they got married. And they were dating all through college. So, I mean, 19, okay. You got to get through college first. And then, of course, like you would think maybe a year or two to get set up, get into a rhythm. And then you get married. So that's like five. That's like five, six, maybe seven at tops. Like nine Mm -hmm. years. It's like, brother, what you doing? But he's about to explain. It's a long time. That's a long time. What he was but doing. It makes sense when you start off at 19. Yes. Literally. You know, like, so you got married around 28. Yes. About 28. Yes, I, uh, I thought I was not got married. So you're 28 years old. And, um, Y'all were in a committed relationship. Were there any infidelity or cheating during that nine years? I can't really say commit. Commitment is a big word. So let's <laughs> let's tone that down a little bit. <laughs> commitment is a big well, word. Well, y'all tone the word commitment down. We do. Y- y'all in a relationship. We got to tone it all the way down. Okay, we're going to tone it down to the day. We're gonna Whoa, so. That's a big word. She was, it was nine years after they initially started dating to when they get married. Nine years. But there wasn't a solid commitment. (laughs) What's going on? That's uh, sleazy. 
So we're gonna call it um a situation ship. <laughs> y'all was in a situation. We was in a situation ship for a long time. So y'all never. So when y'all so when, after three days in love, y'all didn't say let's make it official. We were fi- technically official, but there was a lot of on and offs again, right? In that, so that's why I say when we talk about commitment, we got to tone it all the way down. <laughs> we got to go back to the elementary <laughs> level of of the of the word and, and start at the beginning. Yeah, start at the beginning. And, okay. And, Yes, there was commitment at times. At times. At times, but there was a lot of on and off again, okay, in, through college and even after college, um, lots of on and off again. And so leading up to our marriage, we were at Why did you marry this man? Yeah, I thought it was just There was a lot of on and off again. Because that's... Y'all, I mean, you go back to, you know, her not being healed from the situation that she had to go through. And so now she's making irrational decisions or you know, less than wise decisions. But then you go back to like, who are the people around her? Like, did she have friends like that were steering her in the right direction? That's something that she doesn't get into on the podcast. I mean, she touches on it like a little bit. Like later on, she's like, um, her mom didn't like him. And she had like someone tell her like, hey, you you don't need, like she had people telling her not to do it, but she said that she was so prideful. She was just Mm. like not having it. Wow. Pride will be your downfall every single actually time. off, right? We were actually off. Um, we were living in North Carolina at the time, 2015, going into 2016, late 2016. We went our separate ways because there was other people involved and there had already been other people involved even in college. All right. So, let's see the eyes. That was let's see the eyes. I would this is the pride and of life. I would sit in closets and cry and I would be in there wanting him to find me in the closet crying. And when he would come and find me in the closet crying, then I would say, you know, oh, um, I'm just crying because I miss my dad. You know? Wow, that's crazy. So she was crying and then she would stay wherever she was crying, just waiting for him to come find her so that she could kind of pull him in. And then when he asks, hey, hey, baby, what's wrong? She tells him. Something completely different than what she's actually crying about. So it's like the ultimate form of like emotional manipulation in a sense. So she's manipulating her emotions to try to manipulate his emotions. I mean, she is still feeling bad, but like the root of her, you know, continuously crying is to, I guess, try to control him in some way. It's just, it's just very toxic. It's it's crazy. No, I would blame it on something else. And they would always mostly be about my dad. Like, oh, I'm crying. But it's really because I just sat here and watched you have sex with, you know, or, or, you know, right? So. No, the name, there ain't no real people name. Is it? I don't want you throwing people name out here. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> we're just going to keep make, on going. We're going to make fake names up. Okay? We're going to make fake, we're fake, making all kinds of fake names up. Okay. Thank you. Right now. Person. Seriously, though, I would sit there and watch that, especially in college. I would literally sit in closets or I would sit on the side of the, uh, of the dresser and um, be crying. And I would, I, would, I would be there and I would stay there in that space until he came back, where, like from wherever he was. And he could find <laughs> Ooh, me and then he can console me. But he didn't really know he was consoling me about his indiscretion as opposed to the lie that I told him. Right. right? And so all of that is toxic behavior. Um, and I had to go back and really deal with that later on once I started to realize that, hey, Janae, you are not well. You, you are not okay. And really deal with why I was doing that and unpack it. So. But see, I'm glad that she now has the frame of mind to say, I had to go through that and get to a space where I could unpack why I was actually doing that. So now she's able to communicate it in a effective way and in articu- and articulate it so that we can kind of understand where she was coming from through this whole relationship. And so on again, off again, situationship commitment, lack thereof, um, nine years, you go through this. And you said right before y'all got married or got engaged, I wasn't even together. Please help me understand that. Yeah. So um, before we moved to Atlanta, um, we were off. We, we got off because he was dealing with some girls and things like that. And it was a, a issue. <laughs> and um, at that point, I was just a constant. So, yeah, this is crazy. Just a cycle. Just constant. Just like, oh, we're together. Oh, he's messing with some girls. We. We broke it off. Right. Oh, we're together. He's messing with some girls. We broke it off just over and over and over again. Like what? I'm just curious at what point where you're like, yep, I still want him to be my husband for I'm, life. I mean, it's crazy because it's like when somebody tells you who they are, shows you who they are, you should just believe them. It's like his repeated actions is I'm a dog. I keep going back to, you know sleeping with these women 
even though I say that I care about you. And yeah. at one point, I think she admits that she wasn't, they weren't even in a committed relationship. She was just part of the rotation and she was yeah, just she doing her thing, being part of the rotation. But it's like, how did y'all end up married then? Yeah. Like if that was his actions before he got, before he got married and that was his actions throughout your whole nine year relationship. What? <laughs> that towards him, just like, I'm not going to deal with this. And you're a, you know, F boy and all these things, yeah. right? I had some different kind of choice words and language at that time. Mm -hmm. And then the Lord saved me my mouth. <laughs> Thank God for deliverance. <laughs> um, I think a lot yeah. of people give you a pass on whatever word you decide to <laughs> um, use back then. But no, at, at that time I had asked him, I was like, do you believe the things that you're saying, right? Because this is at the beginning of his career really like taking off. And I'm like, do you believe the things that you're saying? And it really caused a rift. And so we were off. And so that time that we were, in that time that we were off, we were, we were still messing Because around. you questioned whether or not he believed that which he was uh, sharing. Listen to me. If you got to go off and on with somebody. Yeah. Then it's just it's not just worth not the worth relationship. It. Maybe like the maybe I'll give I'll give like maybe one break and then after the break and you guys come back together. Okay. Right. But if it's just one break, two break, three break, four break. Yeah. If the break doesn't make up, like the heart grow stronger or the distance or whatever, and then y'all can come together and be like, okay, now we can move forward and y'all continually continue to move forward. If that doesn't happen, then it's just like it's not worth it. Yeah, it's just, you're just wasting your time and you're wasting your life. And then you might, you, you keep having these hills and valleys and then you say, oh, we got married. And it's like, okay, cool. But then now they're not together there, anymore. Just like with the Carl Lentz thing, like right. whatever is not fixed before marriage is going to be in your marriage. Exactly. And so if you don't fix things before you get to a pivotal point in your life, then it just, it doesn't just magically go away just because you decided to get married or you decided to, you know, Become, or you became like a preacher or, or whatever it is. Just because you elevate in your life or get a promotion in your life doesn't mean that the problems that you had prior to that are just going to go away. You have to constantly die to yourself every single day to work to become more like Christ, to work on your character so that he can change your heart. With the masses on avoiding f boys and that type of stuff, y'all fell out because you you asked him if you truly asked, believe what he was saying. I asked him that. Yes, yes, we it was a big thing, and we did fall out. Um, along with the fact that there was actually other girls at the time, and so it was just all too much, and so we end up ending that, and then we we both end up moving to Atlanta. Just toxic. I'm glad that she seems like she is on a better track yeah, now, does. but that's just craziness. Yeah, that's just craziness. Let's get, we have a couple points to bring this all home to you to uh, give you some practical advice or religion, if you will, before we leave. But make sure that you are, you know, commenting what your thoughts were about that below. But here is our points. All right. Not looking at the big picture and avoiding wisdom will only lead to destruction. And my verse is Proverbs 21.4. Haughty eyes and a proud heart, the lamp of the wicked, are sin. So as you can see, um, in her story, um, it started out with lust. And and like I said, people were telling her, hey, you probably shouldn't do this. Mm -hmm. Your mom's saying, like, I don't like this guy. And you're still like, yeah, whatever, mom. Like, it's only going, if you don't take the wisdom you're only going to get the consequences that come from not taking the wisdom. Amen. I like that. Amen. All right. So here's my point. So learn from others' missteps so that you do not go down the same road. And so my verse is Hebrews 12, 10 through 11. For they disciplined us for a little while. And that's talking about like your parents, essentially, as seemed good to them, but he does so for our benefit. And that's talking about God, that we may share his holiness. Now all, dis now all discipline seems painful at the time, not joyful, but later it produces the fruit of peace and righteousness for those trained by it. And so this is just talking about Hey, if you submit yourself to the Holy Spirit, if you sacrifice your immediate gratification, if you understand that uh, the patterns that you know lead to this toxic behavior are not good for you, 
it's like, yeah, it may seem like you're not having fun, right? I don't get to have fun with Mr. Derek Jackson, but long term, you will produce fruits of peace and righteousness. And it's really a shame that she had to go through that whole toxic endeavor that ended in a divorce to now start finding some peace and, you know, getting on a righteous path, which amen to her for, you know, like that not letting her like just derail her whole life. It seems like she's on an upward trajectory, but it just shows you like if you can discipline yourself, you don't have to and learn from the missteps of other people. You don't have to go down that same road. You can just, you know, travel, I guess the road less traveled, depending on how you interpret that poem. And I think that's the road. The road less traveled as far as it pertains to Christianity is definitely the one that leads to Christ because, you know, narrow is the gate and, you know, there's few that will actually see the light. But that's what we think. We want to know what you think down in the comments. We'll be right back in the live chats. If you're watching the replay, you're going to want to check out this video next because YouTube's recommending it to you individually. Until next time, don't be the alpha and the omega. Like for the algorithm. I was in college and, you know, it got to the point where I wasn't even going to class anymore. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so, um, I, I thank God. I know it was all him because I got out of that <laughs> semester with a, a 3.7. And I'm like, Jeez. I don't know how that happened Jeez, because, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And so from that point, it kind of just, it was, it was one of those things, you know, that, that would fall on and off. I, I was chasing God desperately but didn't know how to do it. And I wasn't yeah, really, yeah. I guess I was stubborn a little bit. I wasn't really willing to do it the way I've always heard it being done. Right. You know, so I looked for other avenues and I got into some some worldly stuff mm, where, okay. it kinda, <laughs> where it kind of, where it kind of, where it kind of, it literally, pivoted me right back to Christ. It is so crazy how it happened. Yeah. So, you know, it it's it's one of those things like it's kind of like the the new age spiritual journey that people go through now with the crystals and the oracle right, cards right, right. Yeah. and stuff like that. It was like that that was kind of something I wanted to get into for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so when I did that, it was like I was I was I was doing that as an excuse to do it and also as my reason for like trying to see God. Yeah, trying like, to see oh, God. Like, oh, maybe he's Exa here. Like maybe he's here. Right, exactly. Right, right. Exactly. And so it was like Christ has always been in me and and around me, but it was kind of like like I said I was being I was just being stubborn. Mm -hmm. But it got to the point where I got to like maybe my second lowest point after college. You know, I think this is around when COVID happened. I lost my job. It was it was a lot going on at the time. And I realized that God has always been right there. And I didn't have to go through all these other mediums to find him. So I went right back to where I knew him, which was the word. Right. And so when I did that, everything just it was it just became clear that he was God and that I didn't I didn't have to continue to to find him through the world farewell it's time to get on out of here but before we do that I need you Wait to because we're on a mission Spread some practical religion. Before we get out of here, let's uh, get to some quality comments. Aunt Cindy says, it was like a reality TV show, <laughs> TV show relationship. Yeah, there's a lot going on yeah. there. It reminds me of a lot of the sh uh, relationships on the game. Yeah, the show, uh, that's the game. what I was thinking of too. It was yeah, like just, you think of Melanie and Derwin. Yeah, just a lot of just silliness and craziness. And they got to add that in. To the show to keep people 
engaged and hooked. But I can't imagine people living that out in like real life. Like but people do. It's crazy. Yeah, people do. Obviously. <laughs> it's crazy. All right. Aunt Cindy also says he cheated like counting sheep, but it could have been prevented had she listened to her mama. No, yeah. Yep. A lot of things can be prevented if you, you know, take wise counsel, if you heed wise wise counsel. For sure. All right. Uh, Cindy also asks, how did he become a preacher? Uh, so I don't think he's a like an actual yeah, preacher. preacher. He just had a YouTube channel, like a, a very prominent YouTube channel. And he claimed to be a Christian, but he was also advising women to stay away from the type of man that he was actually in real life that, you know, is being exploited. And so... When it came out that he had cheated on his wife or whatever a couple of years ago, everybody was like, oh, no, not Derek Jackson. Not him. He's supposed to be the good boy. I remember that. And it was just like, now it just makes sense. Now it was just inevitable that that was going to happen with her tell-all. It's like, oh, she he strung you along for nine years and then decided, oh, yeah, I'll put a ring on it because you were pregnant, which we will get into that tomorrow. So you're going to want to stay tuned or you want to tune into that 7 p.m. tomorrow because we're going to get into the engagement portion of their relationship, into their marriage. But he strung this chick along nine years. She's pregnant. Now he's like, okay, I'll put a ring on it. And then they didn't even get through premarital counseling. They quit. Wait, you're spilling all the they tea. They quit. You're spilling all the tea. I'm giving him a little teaser for tomorrow. So, if you're listening on the podcast app, come join us live, 7 p.m. tomorrow on the Quality Life YouTube channel. All right. uh, Let's see. T-Mac says, he was cheating on her during the nine years, too much on and off, or too much on and a lot of off again. Now, if your mom don't like him, break it off. And mom always know if something is not right. Yeah, I would agree with that. Amen. Yes. You've yeah. saved me many of times, mother. <laughs> yeah, the motherly instincts are a different nature. If she's a good mom. If she's a good mom. There, there's some moms out there that they ain't too good. We'll just be honest with that. But yeah, that's what we got going. Hey, remember, we're going to put up the schedule one more time. Uh, what the... What happened? I guess we're not putting up the schedule. Hmm. Let me see. Hold up. Hold up. Guess we're not putting up the schedule. But we can say it, though. All right. Tomorrow we'll be back at 7 p.m. with another quality pod. That'll be followed by Friday, 5 p.m. We'll have a... Faith and Beyond episode with Miss Kenya McIntosh, followed by a profitable conversation with yours truly, Joshua Prophet. Monday, there will be no show because I will be in Cartersville coaching the youngins. What? Yes. I coach the youth. Hopefully, I'm leading them on a good path. And then uh, we'll probably be back to our regular scheduled programming on Tuesday. But we want to just let you know that we appreciate you. We're continuing to grow. We're on the path to 500. We're almost there. So make sure that you are sharing this with your family, your friends, making sure that you are liking for the algorithm so that we can get to 500, hopefully by the end of, well, we're probably not going to get to it by the end of this week. By the end of next Sunday, we're going to try to get to 500 subscribers. um, And we got a lot of cool things down the pipeline. But it all just depends on if y'all just come along for the ride. So, come on. You got any last words? Don't do situationships. That's my last word. (laughs) Hey, God is with you people. We'll see you tomorrow, 7 p.m. with another quality pod.